Hello and welcome to the Real Friends Who Read Books podcast, where my friends and I force each other to read books we wouldn't typically read because that's what a book club is all about. I'm your host, Mary Page, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Erica and Courtney. Every other week, we'll dive into one of our picks, exploring the themes and characters and whatever else comes along the way. You know, like a book club, but without the snacks. This is Real Friends Who Read Books. These are my real friends, and we've got some books to read. Let's get to it. This week, we'll be discussing Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Now it's time for the back cover summary. Chemist Elizabeth Zott is not your average woman. In fact, Elizabeth Zott could be the first to point out that there is no such thing as an average woman. But it's the early 1960s, and her all-male team at Hastings Research Institute takes a very unscientific view of equality, except for one, Calvin Evans, the lonely, brilliant, Nobel Prize-nominated grudge holder who falls in love with, of all things, her mind. True chemistry results. Like science, though, life is unpredictable, which is why a few years later, Elizabeth Zott finds herself not only a single mother, but also the reluctant star of America's most beloved cooking show, Supper at Six. Elizabeth's unusual approach to cooking, combine one tablespoon of acidic acid with a pinch of sodium chloride, proves revolutionary. But as her following grows, not everyone is happy because, as it turns out, Elizabeth Zott isn't just teaching women to cook. She's daring them to change the status quo. Vibe check. Hello, friends. Can you give me a quick one word describing the vibe you got with lessons in chemistry? And go. Chemistry. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Charming. And inspirational. Yeah. (laughs) Did you guys like this one? It was fun. How do you feel? I really liked it. Yeah. Courtney's like, that was a measured yeah from Courtney. That yeah was very sad. (laughs) I mean, so I wouldn't have read this book if I wasn't forced to. (laughs) That's the podcast. (laughs) Yep. But I finished it. There were parts that I enjoyed. And I really did think it was it was charming. I really loved the characters. Mm-hmm. It was just a little bit slower for me than I like. Yeah. Yep. I would say, like, depressingly realistic. Yes. Yeah. 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 A lot of workplace That's sexism. Perfect. Yes. That's hard to... That's hard to read, like, because it's no... Like, it's unending. Right. The sexism is unending in the book. And it's just like... I know that this is what real life was like and is like, but I was gonna oh say, my goodness. It's still kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting to read it when you've experienced it in some form. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, let's talk about our main character because I loved her. Um, so character was Elizabeth Zott. Um Damn, I wish I was more like her. She's confident in who she is and what she stands for. It's very inspirational. What are your thoughts on Elizabeth Zott as our protagonist? Oh, girl, you know I love her. She's got everything I need in a protagonist. She's a strong, uncompromising woman. She's pursuing her own truth, even if it means facing the hard parts of life, especially in that era. Mm, Written for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She was definitely a character to root for. I really liked reading about her life, even if some parts were incredibly sad. She was blunt and spoke her mind, but stayed true to who she was and what she believed in, despite people treating her like shit all the time. 
um, I would love to be more like that too, MP. Mm -hmm. So So as we were talking about, it was definitely a constant uphill battle for Elizabeth Zott. What were some of the struggles she dealt with as a woman in a male-dominated field, especially in the late 50s, early 60s? Oh my god, workplace sexism and assault? Ugh, it was everywhere! When the guys weren't harassing her, they were busy passing her ideas off as their own or demeaning her contributions. I hated that so much. The hits just keep coming. Oh Mm. my god. Yeah, the sexism, sexual assault, sexism again. She just, she wasn't taken seriously. Men were, like you said, constantly taking credit for her work. They made jokes at her expense because she was attractive, calling her luscious Lizzie. Or how they put EZ on her lab coat when she came back. I just, I hate that so much. I have no words. No words. Yeah, and it's kind of sad because there is so much in this book that still happens today. Mm-hmm. And it's sick that she was thought of as less just because she was a woman. Yes. Yeah. There's so much of this that just, like, hasn't changed. A fresh face on the old sexism. We're so tired. <laughs> depressing, <laughs> depressing. Let's talk about my favorite science topic, which is something a little bit, you know, happier. The chemistry between Calvin and Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think they were the right fit or had true chemistry? Oh, they were so quirky and cute together. I'm here for it, I think. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> hey, high praise. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> really sure of myself today. No, they both seemed happy in a really genuine sense. And mm-hmm. also, like, they weren't constrained by traditional gender roles in their relationship. And y'all know how I feel about constructs in a relationship. So yeah. that was what really did it for me. Yeah, I liked that she said no to his proposal. Yes. <laughs> that whole part was so funny. Sold. I really, I enjoyed reading that because not only did you, you hear it from everyone's pers- uh, perspective, but also the people watching it too. I thought that that was written, that whole scene was written really funny. Yes. Um, As to their chemistry, yeah, I agree with Erica. It seemed like it was genuine and it was adorable to watch unfold. And um, the the lack of gender norms was, like, you could see, like, he had a, he had a hard time with that at, at certain parts. But he went along with it because he really cared for Elizabeth and he was open-minded. And that made me like him more. Yeah, yeah made him more attractive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I loved that they did things differently, and it worked for them, and they didn't care. One of my favorite parts was near the end when she was explaining to the reporter that her and Calvin were soulmates, when she said, you don't need to understand chemistry at an advanced level to appreciate the rarity of our situation. Calvin Calvin and I didn't just click. We collided, literally. And then she goes in um, to talk about how he vomited on her, which... (laughs) That's true love right there. I mean. somebody bottles on you and you still. And you're just like, it's okay. It's okay. okay. I still love you. (laughs) I still want to get to know you, even though I saw your lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I enjoyed the relationship, though it was unfortunately short-lived. As we find out, Mm -hmm. Calvin dies in a car accident while out for a run with 630. Very, very sad, and I felt like it came out of nowhere. But I guess that's how life is sometimes, unpredictable. 
So how did Calvin's unfortunate death change everything for Elizabeth? Ugh, she had it all and she didn't. It's proof we can't have it all, my friends. He was the only one that she could connect with on an emotional and intellectual level. But then just to have that all abruptly taken away. And I think it was especially sad because it was something that was missing in her life. She didn't know that she was missing. And to have found that and realized you're missing that your entire life. And then poof, it's gone. Life is fragile. I hate how precarious it all is. So well put. Yeah, she was put in the position of not only losing someone she loved and who treated her as an equal, again, because she did have a connection with her brother and lost him at a very young Mm -hmm. age. And I think that kind of, she had a barrier after that because of how her parents were. Um, But then after that, any of the hard work that she had put into and earned at Hastings, which was like a constant uphill battle, was just swept out from under her immediately after Calvin died. Um, so not only did she lose the, you know, her soulmate, but she also lost the work that she loves, um, Mm -hmm. which was a very important part of her identity. Um, add to that being pregnant and unmarried in this time in history, and you're fighting such a lonely uphill battle, but also with another human in your care at this point, that's what a change in her, like just in a split second. Mm -hmm. Drastic change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's move on to a much lighter subject here. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need that because this is, yeah, this was a very sad book. (laughs) Upon reflection. Upon reflection. I like emotional reads, obviously. (laughs) I am sorry. (laughs) Um, so I've been waiting to discuss the side characters. There were so many great side characters. Calvin, Harriet, Walter, Madeline, and you all know my favorite is the dog 630. <laughs> I mean, what a cool dog name. Anyway, who's your favorite? I'm team 630 all day, y'all. Yeah. The most wholesome of all of the side characters, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Mm. Also, did you know... That the author got the idea for Elizabeth Zott from an unfinished book that focuses on a grown-up Mad as the main character. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. Isn't that so fun and fascinating? I accidentally listened to the bonus content at the end of the book with the author. Oh. Because I had an audiobook, and then I don't know where my phone was when it finished. It was too far away, and it just kept rolling. (laughs) So I got a little extra treat. It was good. Surprise! It was it was really interesting, though. And apparently, she started this book, and it there was, like, a scene where Mad was, like, grown up, maybe, like, 30-something, and in her house, and she, like, picks up an old book off a shelf, and it ends up being, like, one of her mom's old cookbooks, and, like, starts, like, getting into the character back that way, and she'd abandoned that project. Uh, then she came back to it and was like, actually, maybe I'm more interested in Elizabeth as a character. And got back into the story that way, and then ended up here. That's, That's awesome! Really Isn't that cool. Neat? What a what a great way to rework somewhere where you're stuck in writing is to just write from a different perspective of the story. That's isn't that cool? Genius for any aspiring writer. That's a lesson. Yeah, in chemistry. Perfect. <laughs> that was really good. 
Ah. <laughs> Holy oh, moly. Okay. <laughs> um, as far as side characters go, don't forget Wakely or her doctor rowing friend. I cannot remember his name. Dr. Mason? Dr. Mason, I think. That's I don't know. Yeah. I had an M in it. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, those two characters were there, too. And I really liked Dr. Mason because of his views on reproductive yeah. rights. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Mason. yeah, very cool. Progressive. <laughs> I was, I just appreciated everything that he had to say about that. Um, that just warmed my heart, especially because all of the other men in this book, except for Calvin and Wakely, just, and Walter. Walter was pretty great, too. All the side characters had really great aspects. Um, my favorite, however, was Harriet. I enjoyed every part that Harriet was in. Um, and I love how seamlessly she and Elizabeth became a part of each other's lives. Like, they seemed to just meld into this, like, friendship that was just super sweet and what a great friend she is to Elizabeth. She was like, like her mom almost. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. her. She was like the mother, like big sister kind of yeah. relationship that Elizabeth never got to have. And she really needed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I really so. liked Harriet too. For mm-hmm. sure. After 630, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Um, This is the first book I read where the author wrote through the dog's perspective along with the other characters. I thought that was really interesting. Why do you think she decided to do this? This was so much fun because 630 was like that omnipresent narrator who just sort of knows everything. There are those moments where he knew the full story. Elizabeth only had part. Calvin only had part. So 630 couldn't do anything with that information to change the outcome of our story besides bring us along as readers. But it was great to fill us in with all the details and kind of create that suspense for us. Yes. I loved that she gave him a voice in this. And I also loved that Elizabeth taught him words. Yes. <laughs> because it kind of reminded me of those dogs on Insta with the buns. Bunny and Stella are like the main two that I follow. I love them all the so time. Much. I watch all their videos. Um, and it amazes me. Dogs are so much smarter than we think. Mm-hmm. They're brilliant. <sighs> yes. Um, and did you know that she actually based 630 off her dog 99, mm-hmm. which I thought was adorable. And I love that her dog is also a number name. <laughs> How fun. That's sweet. So, yeah, do you, oh, go ahead. Do, I'm sorry. I was going to ask, do your dogs know exactly when it's time to eat in, in the uh, day? Yes. I will say I've broken Zeddy's sense of that, oh. but... He does tell me when to take my medicine twice a day. Right. So, like, he can't Which tell me. Amazing. He can't tell me when to eat, but he can tell me when to take pills. So, like, same, same, but different. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's actually even, even more, more impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's not self-serving. It's for you. That's even more impressive. He does get treats after that. Like, we do throw him a puppy party every time. A puppy party. A puppy party. <laughs> Adorable. Uh, Sometimes he gets yeah. breakfast after. I did buy Rufus though, like a couple buttons Fun. to try it out. Um, what words are you teaching him? I didn't like keep up on it, but I I really do want to go back. I we used like potty and outside so far, and maybe that was my mistake because <laughs> teach him a fun one. Teach him like ball. 
He'll never stop using it. No, no, no. Outside was the fun one. Mm. He kept on hitting outside, outside, outside. And I was like, no, we can't go outside. He didn't get that. So it was just, I, it was just upsetting for him. <laughs> so after Calvin dies, we find out that Elizabeth is pregnant. Elizabeth did not seem to be thrilled at first when she found out she was expecting. She never planned on being a mother. Now that she is left alone to raise the child since Calvin has died, in what ways did motherhood surprise Elizabeth? Mm. She's out here trying to make it as a professional woman in the 60s, and she finds out she's pregnant. Boy, that is the shock of your life. Who has time for that? But she made time. <laughs> Look at her go. Um, yeah, without Matt, I feel like it might have been easier for her to fall deeply into her career after Calvin's death. But saying that, I think that having Mad and 630 kept her grounded in the real world and maybe, like, saved her in a way from mm-hmm. just losing herself completely and falling into her career entirely after Calvin. Yeah. Because he was really, like, the, the thing that kept her going, kept her anchored to the real world. Yeah. Yeah, Mad and Mad and 630 were kind of the catalyst to her meeting Harriet and yeah. meeting Walter and meeting Wakely. Mad was, like, that glue to her making all of these connections that were her chosen family. So that was definitely probably the biggest surprise. Um, And I think the other one was that as a mom, you literally have no control (laughs) over anything. (laughs) Everything is a surprise. And I'm sure being a scientist, you are a little more type A about stuff and you just don't get to be as a parent like that's terrifying you just you have to roll with the punches and it's hard that way so i'm sure that was a big surprise for her too that's a surprise for me <laughs> or her that makes my palms sweat yeah i'm like sweating over here i don't like it <laughs> no control okay <laughs> great they control everything even if, like, you know, they're well-behaved, like, you just, you don't get to do things the way you used to. I don't get to just, like, pop up and go to Target. I have to negotiate going to Target. Then I have to negotiate putting shoes on and what shoes mm-hmm. or the, oh. the same shoes. Uh, <laughs> it seems like a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you get to the car seat. You can't just put them in the car seat. They have to do it themselves and stuff. Like, it's just a whole thing. Oh, it's all negotiation. Them. You're really honing your negotiation skills. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't help that Pax is like a tiny little lawyer. It's because look who's raising him. <laughs> I was going to say, like, hmm. Look who's raising <laughs> Who him. Who is that like? <laughs> oh, boy. That's amazing. I love that for that kid. It's going to take He's him far in life. I really think so. <laughs> Yeah, kind of how you were saying how it kind of brought, Mad kind of brought her into meeting like Harriet and Walter. And if you think about it, her switching her career really helped other people as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway. No, that's that's (laughs) a good point. Not only did like the... Not only did Mad being born 
help create like this community for Elizabeth, but it helped create a community for women who weren't being listened to and heard and seen the way that they deserve to be in a time when it was really hard. So yes. Yeah. Thank you big, for helping me with point. my words. <laughs> that's exactly what I meant in my head. So thank you. Nailed it. <laughs> Gordy will just speak for me for the rest of the podcast. Uh, our translator. <laughs> well, I'm having a hard time speaking for myself. So oh, no. I'll just speak for you. No. Someone speak for me because I keep stumbly mumbly over everything I'm saying. <laughs> mumbly mumbly. I like that. <laughs> Um, oh, can we also mention how Elizabeth was fired when she found when they found out she was pregnant and how screwed up that was? I mean, uh, that's some bullshit. That made me so mad. So mad. And that it was another woman. I forget the lady's Frask. name. Who? Yeah, Mrs. 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 Frask. Frask. Oh, yes. Who brought it to their attention to fire her. Like, really? I did appreciate the full circle we made with Frask, though. Yes. yes I Yes. yes. Thank I goodness. like that we came back around because she was really a villain in my story for a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was like, Frask, was I want to throw down with you. I have words. <laughs> and then you find out why she is the way she uh, is. And it's and yeah. she connects. Heartbreaking. She connects to, yeah, she connects to Elizabeth because of that. And it's just like, oh, that's why you are the way you are. And it's kind of a lesson. In chemistry. In chemistry. Okay. <laughs> It's kind of a lesson for us to, like, we, we may see women ourselves in life who kind of are, um, they feel like our nemesis in certain ways like this, but there might be a reason that connects to us, that they're, they are the way that they are, and they may have experienced more similar things than we're aware of, and they're just handling it differently. I mean, honestly, like, a lot of behavior in the workplace that you, like, could perceive as women making it somewhere and then turning around and like pulling up the ladder behind them and not helping out the women next in line mm-hmm. that could be it it's like they've made it to where they are but it's it wasn't easy and it really took some extreme personal toll on them and they're like wow okay well this is how i'm gonna adjust to handle it and you just don't right. know that side of their story which sucks and it's not the right way to handle it but also so much empathy for that situation because right wow is it hard out there so who am i to judge it makes it makes sense so it's like it doesn't take away from what they've done but it helps you feel like it's less of a personal attack you know like it's not me it's sexism it's it's sexism and it's structural sexism (laughs) their inability to you know move past that for the greater good i like the hand motions I know. I love it. Thank God we're not a They're my podcast. favorite. <laughs> Honestly, if we could just have like people watch <laughs> you specifically <laughs> when we do these podcasts. So entertaining. Watch me in my, my pajama shirt as we discuss things. Right. Yeah, because you just. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> so the story starts off with how she started a cooking show. Why do you think she agreed to host the cooking show Supper at Six? And why did the show resonate with women across the country? I think it resonates with women across the country because she made them feel seen and encouraged them to dream and then make those dreams become a reality. I think that that's such a huge thing that women at that in that era were missing 
Um, she wasn't selling the facade that being a homemaker is the end-all be-all for women either. Um, she, was, she wasn't trying to sell how flawless and easy it is to be that too. You know, if you're a homemaker, like that's great. And, you know, that's amazing for you if that's what's fulfilling, but it's not easy. Kids go set the table for your mother. She needs a break. Love that part. <laughs> right. But if that's not if that's not what you're wanting in life, you can have it. You are fully capable of it. I think that that's such a strong message for every woman. Nah. Yeah. I, I'm not verbalizing this well. I get but what you're I mean, saying. Yeah. 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 I get yeah. what you're <laughs> saying. I'm. It gives me the feels and then I can't say the thing. She's stuck in her feelings, yeah. folks. She's just stuck in her feelings. I think that she took this job because ultimately she had bills to pay and don't we all. But <laughs> I think it was successful because she understood that deep down we all just want to be taken seriously. And so she presented a no-nonsense show that did exactly that. The network asked for a cooking show and she gave them the content they wanted. Not they wanted. She gave them the content they asked for. <laughs> but there was always this undercurrent of empowerment that resonated with the viewers. The people that were staying home and the women that were feeling like their domestic labor wasn't being taken as seriously as all these other forms of labor that are just as much work or possibly less work. Because domestic labor is hard. It's such Mm -hmm. a hard thing to do if you're just at home all day working on this and also not getting any recognition for it. Mm -hmm. So I think that is really part of what made it such a successful show and like the magic for the viewers. That's exactly what I was trying to say. Thank you, Erica. I see you, girl. Look at me. We're all going down the line here. (laughs) That's exactly it. That was very well put. Thank you. Um, Side note, I just wanted to, first of all, I would totally buy the recipe cookbook or whatever if she had one. I would totally buy it. I also loved when... Um, one of the shows she decided to bake brownies because she was sad that day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved that. That was so fun. <laughs> Do it. Um, so my answer is boring. I think she took the job because it paid more and she had to take care of the kid. But I think once she started it, she realized the impact she had and she ran with it in the best way possible. I think she wanted to teach women chemistry as she said it. When women understand chemistry, they begin to understand how things work. The real rules that govern the physical world, when women understand these basic concepts, they begin to see the false limits that have been created for them. That's one of my favorite quotes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It makes it harder for like misinformation to spread when you're just like a well informed person. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What, um, Skipping to the end here, there's just so much to talk about, and I feel like there's not enough time. <laughs> but what did you think about how it? Um, what did you think about how it was revealed at the end that Calvin's real life mother was the one behind the funds to Elizabeth's scientific research? A dramatic twist. We love a big reveal. <laughs> no, it made perfect sense though when you step back, and my brain does really appreciate the tidy little bow the author put on this. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had guessed this early on. I was very proud of myself when it came. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes, I was right. It's. It seems like the author had everyone mentioned in the story mean something to the story's plot in an important way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So mentioning the woman who kept writing to him saying that she was his mother and wanted to give money as opposed to asking for money, that's what made me guess that it was probably his real mother. Mm. I did not. That's That was a really good catch there. I didn't mm. notice that. I kept thinking it was going to be his biological father. So I was fooled, but love that it was his mother instead, 100%. Well, the whole story is about empowered women. Should have known. So <laughs> yeah, should have known. <laughs> um, so chemistry was obviously a large part of this book. Even the parts that weren't based in chemistry, the authors seamlessly related whatever was going on to chemistry or science. How did you feel about the constant scientific outlook on things? And what lessons did you learn? Any favorite passages, quotes, or scenes that you want to share? So much like actual chemistry class, none of the actual lessons in chemistry stuck around in my brain. (laughs) But loved this read anyway. And I will say I really did appreciate her aggressively rational outlook on life as only scientists can do. Because what a fun change from how I'm usually living. (laughs) Right. My brain's not like that. So it was really fun. Yeah, to like listen to her thoughts on everything. Right? (laughs) Yeah. I won't lie. I sped read through the chemistry (laughs) stuff. It was... (laughs) Am I the only one who really liked it? Paige is using this to relearn high school chem. (laughs) I know! (laughs) Listen, chemistry was not my strong suit. Same. In fact, chemistry is the last class that I... Science class that I need to get my associates. Oh, no. And... It's it's a deterrent for finishing <laughs> school. Pause <Pulse> and prayers. <laughs> um, aside from chemistry, um, I have a lot of favorites, favorite things in the book. Like, there's a lot of purple. That's my, my favorite sticky tab. Um, when I'm looking back on them, because to go through them all would be, like, we would just sit here forever. Because I do have a lot of those. But looking back on them, there's a common theme, and that's a budding friendship. I think that was my favorite part of, like, this whole thing. Um, I put sticky tabs in places where she had cemented a friendship with Harriet, Walter, and Wakely. Um, And I also noted a lot of her beliefs that I share, um, those that she had expressed while on the show in terms of religion, inequality, and so on. Um, Yeah, I think that... All of that was where I just really enjoyed this book. Um, also, I just remembered the, when she talked about circadian rhythms, <laughs> it, that was like, I mean, I've known about that, but it was a reminder. And so during quiet time with Pax, I have been allowing myself to take a little siesta. It's made my days so much better <laughs> because I'm taking a little nap. So... That's fun. Uh, fun. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah, I also had so many sticky tabs, and a lot of them were um, noting like a lot of her beliefs also that I really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Okay, anyway, <laughs> losing words. <laughs> Why is it so hard today? Oh no, <laughs> we're doing good. We're doing. We're good. almost there. This you is the are. last one, and I'm struggling. Okay, so I had so many sticky tabs. It's overwhelming, but there was this one chapter, chapter 29, bonding, one of the first pages where she was doing a segment of Supper at Six, and she was describing the different bonds and relating to different types of relationships. 
And that chapter really stuck with me. I love the way that Elizabeth related everything back to chemistry. And obviously, I like talking about relationships. So that's why that one stuck out to me. <laughs> I feel like if someone taught chemistry to me the way that she talks about it, I would have understood it better. Yes. yes. Yeah, we need more, like, things that relate back to real life. Right. Like, put mm-hmm. it in terms I can understand. Exactly. Put it in terms of lettuce and steak, and I would probably pay attention, <laughs> and I'll pay attention. a lot more. 100%. <laughs> Anything else, I'm out. <laughs> I'm very food motivated. <laughs> also, same. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's so much that we didn't cover today. This book has so much to it, um, but if you did not read it yet, I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Also, shout out to the internet for giving me suggestions for these questions. Now, it's that time where we wrap things up with a one-sentence summary. Lessons in old school workplace sexism. <laughs> Yours are always just so perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Um, mine is I enjoyed this except for the chemistry lessons and erging. Erging. <laughs> erging. I I asked Courtney halfway through. I'm like, what is erging? <laughs> Were you reading this and just, like, skipping over all of the rowing parts? I was skipping over the erging. I was like, I have no idea what she means by this. So. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Took me a while. Uh, mine is just go buy it. It's a must read. I have nothing else to say. Well, that's that for that. We'll be dropping our upcoming reads in the show notes if you want to read along for next time. Coming up next, we've got Wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby in October. For November, The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. And for the month of December, The Plight Before Christmas by Kate Stewart. We're real friends who read books. I'm Mary Page. I'm Erica. And I'm Courtney. Get to reading. See you in two weeks. Toodaloo! If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you find yourself on Instagram, check out our page at Real Friends Book Club or online at realfriendsbookclub.com. We can't forget our special thanks to Brandon Schmunk for our theme music and Jordan Stewart for the design. Thanks! No, like, there, I, so I went to go look up, um, like, Jingle My Balls, and there's a ton of books. (laughs) That's the outtake. With that title. (laughs) Packages are big. The stockings are definitely hung. And snow (laughs) isn't the only thing that gets plowed. (laughs) (laughs)